Welcome, Voltron fans. This is Mark Morell, your host for Let's Voltron, the official Voltron podcast. We're here for our review of VoltCon 2022, and we have some guests with us. So I'm going to start off by introducing my co-host, Greg Tyler. Welcome, Greg. Hey, Mark. It's great to be back with you. It's been a little while, and uh, I'm glad to be back with you to chat about not an episode review, but a convention review. So this will be fun. Yes, and we were uh, excited because uh, since I couldn't be there, uh, another person who was filling in could be there, and that's Shannon Weir. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you again, and, and thank you for letting me fill in for you. It was a great experience, but at the same time, wish you'd been there in person. Yes, it was It was uh, a shame that I had to miss it, but uh, it was an important reason why I had to miss it. But uh I'm, I'm glad you guys could be there. I'm glad there were plenty of people there that you could give the panels to. And uh, there's one, another guest that we have on the podcast with us tonight that actually recorded all the panels. It was all of our panels, not all of the panels right. for the entire convention, but yeah. Right, right. But uh, yes, recorded all the panels that were run by the podcast. So we, we appreciate that. So welcome Pete, Pete White. Mark, Greg, Shannon, it's great to be on with you, and I was glad that I was able to pinch hit this year and uh, record the videos, and I'm glad my iPhone uh, battery and uh, hard drive held out. We are glad, too. <laughs> Thanks so much for doing that, and Shannon, thank you again for for uh, going up to bat for the podcast and, and uh, contributing in a major, major way to VoltCon, so thank you. Yes, so we're all here. The gang's all here. We're, we're talking about Volcon 2022. So I'd, I'd like to get a sense of what it was like for all of you guys. What happened? You know, what were some of the highlights for you guys? And, and just tell us in your own words. Who got there first? I believe I got there Thursday night. And <laughs> uh, I got a good night's sleep. Picked, uh, went over and picked Shannon up in the morning from where she was. And then you know, VoltCon is always like this great Voltron family reunion. So it's like everyone you run into in the lobby and as the, the con is getting going, it's just like the great greatest joy of seeing old friends that uh, we've seen pretty much for the last four years now. And it was just, you know, a great time getting there and seeing everyone. Great. I was actually at another hotel literally across the street. Because, as I mentioned in the program, but I don't remember if it's come up on a past podcast, I've started going to graduate school online, and I knew I had to get all my homework done <laughs> before <laughs> VoltCon, and I knew a couple other people were showing up Thursday night, too, and so I just sort of like, I decided to go somewhere else, so I knew that I could hunker down and get all that done, and it worked out. So after Pete brought me over, we immediately started meeting people and it wasn't just people that we knew there were um, some new folks who had been there for the first time pete i think you actually were, were chatting with one person in particular when i was still checking in at the front desk do you remember who i'm talking about yeah i met a cosplayer named tony uh from texas and he i'm trying to remember the name of his uh cosplay page but he does an amazing hunk from Voltron Legendary Defender and looks just like Hunt. And uh, it's amazing. He had two costume changes. I've been following his page and just 
really love meeting new people as they come in. And, uh, you know, if you watch the shakeups video, he uh, dances to I'm a leg. <laughs> Costume was just amazing. It was it was great. Cool. Yeah. So after that, Pete and I went out. We had to, for our timing of different meals, went out, caught lunch, more or less, depending on your time zone, lunch, early dinner, and then came back to the hotel. And that's when we kind of started running into everybody else. This kind of starts blurring for me because I remember talking to Eric and Amy and Marika and Elizabeth, and I don't think they were the only people that were there with us, Pete. I think there were a couple other people. Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, some of the people I see from the Voltron Toys and Collectibles group on Facebook started popping in, Kyle, and um, got to meet a few of the people I've never met before. Tim came in, and Brad, and uh, Heath, but then, yeah, we ran into Marika, and we ran into, you know, Marika, Mama Voltron, um, mm -hmm. Tara, you know, and you know, that's when the family reunion starts, you know, seeing Eric and Amy. And it's just, you know, running into then Savannah and Patrick and Kevin and everyone and, uh, you know, members of the shakeups who also, you know, double as uh, con chairs. Mm -hmm. So when did you get there, Greg? After them, but I don't remember when. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a two and a half hour drive, which is a just a, a, a piece of cake compared to the drive that, that Pete had and the right. flight that Shannon had. Um, Google Maps took me uh, on these country roads like it did last year, and I had a blast driving through some small towns. I love getting stopped in a rural town by a, a train on a railroad crossing. It reminds me of uh, when I was a kid, and uh, I, I almost got stopped on at two different railroad crossings by the same train as it zigzagged across the road. It was awesome. Wow. Uh, but uh, yeah, and that was just on the way there. And then uh, got to when I don't remember remember what time I got there, but uh, um, very soon after I got there, uh, met Pete and Shannon and, and uh, many other people. Uh, I, I, I legit don't remember a whole lot. It had, we're, as we're recording this, it's about a month after VoltCon, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so memory's a little fuzzy. I also feel very guilty because we met several new people. And aside from the folks that Pete just mentioned, I am spacing on their names. And um, I did really well with their names throughout the weekend, but in the month that's passed since, um, hopefully they'll all be there next year. But there were many, many new faces, which was a great surprise. Um, and we did wind up spending uh, Friday evening most of the time at the, uh, the con suite, right? Uh, it was a, like a VIP event. Is that right? Yeah, that's where the where it wound up. There was a little bit of confusion because, as I understand it, they were supposed to have gotten a suite on the first floor, and due to some logistical reason, the con suite wound up on the fourth floor. And yeah, yeah. So because and when I had run into Kevin, it was like go get food on the fourth floor and come back. I was on the first ones he must have talked to, and then everybody had stayed up there, and then Greg had to come back down and find me to take me back upstairs. But we got everybody back up there, and I, I think everyone had a pretty good time. Yeah, definitely in the con suite is always uh, great. You know, they did desserts this year, so uh, we got to enjoy that. And um, Eric Stocker uh, gave us a sneak preview of his um, Die Rugger vehicle Voltron um, 
cosplay mask that he, you know, full head mask that mm-hmm. he did and raffled off um, at VoltCon 2022. Wow. And just, you know, we all tried it on and, you know, I, I of course, had to take a selfie with it. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't win, but at least I have the selfie with it. And, oh, he's just so good, you know, talking to people. And I believe, um, I think some of the guests arrived after I did. I went down to dinner with a few friends while some of you were still up there. And then we went back up and uh, I believe Bob and Bob Coppler and Steve Sterling and, you know, some of the other people, uh, guests were up there mingling, which is always nice if you get that VIP to help support the con but you also get a little bit more access to you know some of the people who are going to speak the next day early you know like greg and shannon who did amazing panels this year and uh mark Thank when you. you joined us uh you know on sunday yeah, yeah that, we'll we'll get to sunday in a minute <laughs> i just want to get a sense of what were some of the highlights for each of you for voltcon you give your overall highlights and then we'll go through it chronologically then right i just thought of um something involving the vip suite and in names and this might be why you weren't thinking of it greg um one name we didn't bring up because i can't remember precisely when he showed up on friday was mark oliver which that Mm -hmm. was good to see him there but then there was the other gentleman that came and talked to you and eric and this is where i'm getting fuzzy was he also a mark with a k or was he mark us the one who had the there daughter. was a person yeah that was marky marky that's, that's as marky and it had a daughter who was there too um i remember several other people throughout the weekend meeting people that i'd not, never seen at VoltCon, but yes he was definitely one of them and um i tried deliberately to reach out to people who were new and tried to welcome them in because you know a family reunion only gets bigger when you you know when people reach out and say hi to new folks. And I think everyone was doing that, but I, 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 I'm kind of an introvert. And so I had to, I'm like, step out of your shell, do it. And so I did, but, but, uh, but yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, And I remember when uh, Steve Sterling showed up in the con suite, uh, Shannon and I were talking, is that Steve Sterling over there? I think it might be. And um, so we got to chat with him then. And and he was there with his daughter, I guess the, I guess she came in from somewhere else and they met there for VoltCon and uh they were only there through saturday late saturday when i think each of them had to leave to go to their their go back to go to wherever they were going next in their ventures but uh but it was it was neat to see them both there and um, yeah his daughter's name is olivia i think that's right yeah so that was a blast um so so overall uh what are some of the highlights that uh that you all had you know, besides seeing, you know, the people we don't see often, um, getting to interact and listen to um, someone like Steve Sterling, who was such an integral part of Defender of the Universe back in 1984, to share his insights, you know, and for us being lucky enough, you know, to meet Franklin Kofod, and then now we get to meet Steve Sterling, and hear the behind the scenes things. I think one of my highlights from the interview you did with him, Greg, was hearing that he pulled in, um, you know, they were joking that he had to listen to the stereo sound through speakers that would actually sound like the TVs people would be buying. And, you know, mm-hmm. they have this like million dollar studio and here Steve is bringing in like 
you know, small little stereo speakers. That was was a cool little tidbit for me to listen to and uh, to get that insider info. He wanted to hear it from the end user's perspective, which is Mm -hmm. all the people that would have bought in a stereo TV and being able to, to have it come out the same way it would for them. And uh, for some people that were in the the sound team, they they probably saw that as a little bit too much, you know, you know, and he just wanted to make sure it tested correctly. That's why some of the quality is, is as good as it is, probably. Yeah, I I loved that he, like Franklin Kofod, remembered his experiences making the show with amazing fidelity. I I, I mean, I looking back over my own professional career um i don't think i'll be able to recall anything from <laughs> over 3 decades ago with the clarity that both of them have had and and to hear that the enthusiasm and and pride and i don't mean that in a, in a in a in a a hubris sort of way but you know it was a very important highlight of their careers and to hear steve speak of that with the same uh, passion that we had heard a few years back from Franklin is just amazing. And, and, and they worked, um, on different episodes. Uh, he, uh, Steve focused mostly on the lion force episodes and, and Franklin mostly on the vehicle team episodes, but there was some crossover and it was really interesting to hear. They, they basically worked in silos, uh, mm-hmm. under the direction of, of, uh, Peter Keefe and, right. It's really interesting to hear from both of them independently. Um, it, it does make me want wish all the more that we could have ha- had a chance to talk with Peter Keith. Um, yeah, I don't know if you saw had... most recently on the uh, the Voltron official uh, social media accounts, they had had a a Peter a, a snippet from a Peter Keith interview where he mentioned the fact that Franklin Kofod and Steve Sterling had done nothing short of create miracles for that that show because of all the hard work they did. And I remember Steve saying in his interview that sometimes they had worked like 14 days in a row or 18 days in a row nonstop and yeah. just to get these things in in time. It's really amazing. Absolutely amazing. And 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 I, it was re- really great to hear uh, just just you know, just hear that enthusiasm from him and, and the, the gratitude that he had to people who continue to admire the, the you know, all the work that he put into it so many years after the fact. I mean, that, that was certainly a big highlight for me. I, I would say that overall, my rather than a lot of specific incidents, I just, instances of, of, of highlights for me, I just enjoyed seeing everyone again and, and seeing new people for the very first time. Um, seeing Kevin Clark's Castle of Lions, which now has an interior, it's a, it is a, I called him, I, I told him it was probably the greatest dollhouse ever made. <laughs> Just such an amazing job with it. And I said that with, with all the, with, with genuine respect, because I remember, uh, when my mom would take my sister and me to, uh, different stores, I was always fascinated by, I like craft stores and stuff. I was always fascinated by dollhouses because they were like, you know, action figure play sets on steroids with all the details in them. And um, to see that kind of energy and passion that Kevin put into his Castle of Lions was really, really impressive. That was a lot of fun. But just overall meeting everyone and meeting everyone again uh, was a blast. How about you, Shannon? Sure. Um, 
first off, I definitely have to agree with the meeting everyone under, definitely under less overwhelmed circumstances. And I mean that in the sense that for the real quick, for those who don't know the story, my coming to VoltCon in 2021 basically came together in about 30 days notice. Mm -hmm. um, so to have a whole year to prep for it and to have think like where Mark and Greg, you weren't like the only people I were gonna know. It was like, oh, I remember I've met this person, this person, I know I'm gonna see this person. And you know, who else might I meet? That was great. I also have to say that listening to Steve talk was one of my personal highlights. I, given so much that we knew about his career on paper, I did not expect animation to be his passion point. That was like a real surprise to me in a mm -hmm. very good way. And when he told the story about being in his small town in Pennsylvania and he was told to go to LA or New York and in his case, New York was what made sense because of where he was. And yet he creatively come up with this idea that he wanted to pitch and how that all went. I saw pieces of myself. I heard pieces of myself in my own, in my own story in the, the small Washington town. And I was told the same thing. But in my case, it was just strictly come to LA because the people I was communicating with as a teenager, Mark Handler, Christy Marks, were here in the LA area. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was like, okay, down the coast. Hmm. But everything was just about the same. And I'm like, wow, I can really relate to you. And I have, I have absolute, I mean, I obviously haven't enjoyed the shows, but I walked away with an absolute respect for him as a person. Oh yeah, and I'm, I'm not going to forget that anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, so I, I definitely look forward to us having Steve Sterling on the podcast. He has expressed interest in doing that, and oh, great, and was, uh, great, was honored by uh, by being asked. So uh, I look forward to to us getting uh, getting together with him and making that happen. Um, another highlight was uh, that a certain Mark Morell was able to join the the uh, convention <laughs> festivities on Sunday. Through the power of technology and the passion and uh, audio uh, video know-how of Ricky, uh, <laughs> they really went above and beyond and made that happen. So, uh, special kudos to Ricky for helping with that. Yeah, that was that was the definite highlight for me. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I don't think we've had that done before at Volcon, right? I don't believe so. Not at, not at Volcon. I, no. Ricky, Ricky, in fact, emphasized when Ricky was talking to me during that first setup that this was something Ricky had not done very often because it was hard to do. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'm glad we pulled it off. I mean, we knew what limitations mm -hmm. we had to work with, which was why... Mark wound up doing most of the talking for anybody who was there in person Sunday, because we knew the mic we had on stage. And as was obvious, even if you've, if you've seen the video, caused a bit of reverb. So we tried to figure out how to interject. But besides which, mm -hmm. they'd seen us all Saturday, you know, talking. <laughs> like, it was your turn. 
Yeah, well, yeah. there we did. We had done a practice session in the morning, and uh, there was a little bit of echo coming from those those microphones. But you know, they they limited it as much as they could. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, I think I thought it turned out great considering everything. So yeah. I was happy for it. So Ricky, if you're watching this, thank you again. You did an thank amazing you. job. <laughs> and um, and. I also had a really good one-on-one conversation with Savannah for for several minutes. It's just one of those quiet moments where you just happen to 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 be sort of in a an area of the room that isn't filled with people, and that was a great great time because she's often up in the uh, you know like the registration desk and things like that, or up on stage with the shakeup. So I, it was it was the first time really uh, over these four conventions that I've had a chance to chat with her for for a while, and that was a lot of fun. Um, Patrick and Kevin, of course, are are just a lot of fun to talk with, and and uh, the passion they bring is is very evident, and their 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 love for bringing people together. Uh, but it was my first uh, chance to really chat with Savannah, which was a lot of fun. So, and then there was this little thing that happened where the people at WEP stole all of our cell phones, our smartphones, yeah, and I, I heard connected about this devices. Too. Yeah, that was a bit of a highlight. Um, they did fortunately <laughs> give those things back. Um, yeah. But yeah, to lose those the, to lose those smartphones, that time, some whatever that time, whatever happened there between when we lost our devices and when we got our devices back, that was kind of a big deal. What what was that, guys? Did you, did you have to sign an NDA or are you allowed to talk about it? We didn't have to sign anything. Um, okay. No, we didn't. No. <laughs> so if you didn't sign an NDA, but you weren't allowed to record it, does anybody know if it actually happened? It's like if a if a tree falls in the forest, does it make a sound? Did it really That's happen? Actually, I don't even know what we can say. I mean, I, it was a a. How would you summarize it without going too much into detail? Well, this is one of this is one of those things where I'm just. And I think I'll get the title almost right word for word. The title of his panel was Voltron Past, Present, and Future. Let that speak for itself. The title is true. And since that was out there publicly and past that, as somebody who deals too much with that kind of stuff in the entertainment world, I'm like, I don't know what I can't say and I don't want to misstep. Well, this is another, another exceptional thing with VoltCon being a small con, right? is the big cons it used to be back in the day when they were a little bit smaller uh if they had something that they showed to an audience at comic-con or say something like that the audience at comic-con was the only one that ever saw it and nobody else anywhere else would have ever seen it and now today at at the big events like comic-con now if they show something in a panel it's almost immediately released after the panel to the general public. Right. And that kind of, you know, that kind of negates everything that you go there as, as a, a public participant live and in person to go see these conventions. You pay all that money, you go through all the trouble to get it, get your tickets and everything. And then everybody gets to see what you saw anyway. <laughs> yeah. I just kind of want to add, you know, since we've been kind of tiptoeing around this. You know, the uh, the description was join guest of honor Bob Coppler on a journey through past, present and future of Voltron, starting with its humble origins as an experiment on 
KPLR TV in St. Louis through the critically acclaimed Legendary Defender series on Netflix. In addition, he will and did discuss the live action feature film in development at Amazon Studios and what it means for the franchise. And you know, we got to see some little bit of, you know, footage, not from uh, the movie, but from, you know, when they had to show something to these studios to get them interested. And Russian, or Rawson Marshall Thurber, who has been, you know, in the media already announced as the director, you know, put this little video snippet together. And uh, when Bob Coppler, you know, president and CEO of WEP played that, the room exploded. And for this panel, the room was packed. You know, for a panel where we had to give up our cell phones, which I think in this day and age is, you know, I think it's the longest I've been away from my cell phone in years. <laughs> it was worth it, you know, and then, you know, Ross and Marshall Thurber couldn't be there. However, he did send a message through Bob and, uh, you know, Bob played that for us. And, you know, we've been hearing about this live action movie for so long that everyone's like, yeah, we'll see when it happens. But it's really feeling real this time. Mm -hmm. And uh, the excitement around it, I'm just, I was excited just to be in the room with or without a cell phone to, to hear Bob's enthusiasm and to hear from a director who really seems to know Voltron and is a fan of Voltron. So I'm more excited than ever about it. And uh, I will love when we're in theaters hearing it in, you know, Dolby Digital surround sound. And it's just going to be exciting times for Voltron and the whole fandom. Yeah, just just to, uh, uh, for folks who haven't really followed the news all that much, you know, a movie has been a pipe dream for many, many years, some 15 years probably longer than we'll ever really know. Um, there are a lot of steps that go in the making of a film. So um, what we saw was very exciting, but there are a whole lot of steps between wherever they are now and whatever might bring a, a feature film onto the screen. So what we saw was definitely very exciting. I, I totally uh, in that, in that, uh, in that zone. Um, but you know, these things do take time and, and cost a lot of money. So, uh, I just want to check a little bit, you know, have a little bit of a reality check about, um, you know, it could be, a, it could still be quite a while before we see a feature film, but again, that said, wow, it was awesome. <laughs> okay. Well, I still haven't seen it. So I, I would love to somewhere down the line, get a chance to see what you saw, but, uh, I, I heard it. It really gave people a lot of hope for a really good movie coming out of this. I would try a Vulcan mind mill, but they don't work well <laughs> over Zoom, even when you're a human being. So, yeah, I don't know what side you're on or I'm on relative to you, but uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, fun stuff. Um, lift, just a, lift, just a... lift up your left arm and and just lift it out to to the left. Go to your left to with the left arm. My left. Yes. Yeah. Keep going. Keep going. All right. Right there. All right. Hold on. All right. Go ahead. 
can you sense what we want anyway we tried just oh look we even have the enterprise here that, that oh, wow. definitely helped nice pete yeah, I like yeah. That. you know just maybe bring spock in and uh maybe spock can can handle it for us <laughs> my mind to your mind yes my thoughts to your thoughts bada boom bada bing anyway okay that worked how's that for crazy and <laughs> i just i think i just saw an image of green lion wow mm. that was weird interesting very interesting that was weird no comment but anyway okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so uh do we want to dive into the events that happened on yeah. saturday and sunday then? hey can can you show us the program there pete Yep. All right. So this was the official program you got when you got to VaultCon. And you guys were part of the VIP stuff. So you got to go on Friday night as well. So why don't we start with Friday night? What happened? We were in the con suite, basically. Uh, it wound up, again, there was some confusion, as Shannon mentioned, but uh, we all eventually found our way there. And it was basically just a social event, but a, a lot of fun, a lot of fun having. Um, you know, we're we're in a, a world where uh, we don't have to wear masks like we uh, like many of us were continuing to do at Voltcon 2021. Um, so it was it was good. Uh, it was just fun to see a lot of people and chat with a whole lot of uh, like-minded folks. Uh, what what would you guys uh, say beyond that? See, it's an informal, unstructured, just you know free form talking to people was there yeah. food oh yeah uh there were several several choices among desserts um cookies lemon bars a few other things that i don't remember but like basically simple um stuff that you could hold in your hand while talking not not elaborate you'd need a fork and a plate kind of situation and mm -hmm. and beverages of different types um, I think for me, um, I remember being there. I remember some of the conversations that happened, but there's also parts of it that are, are that are blur. And I have seen photos of myself Friday night, and I know why. You can you can tell that the jet lag is still getting to me. Mm -hmm. I'm like I'm I'm enjoying it, but I'm very very I'm more soaking sponge than I really talk to a bunch of people, which was. A little bit of a downer for myself personally, but I know everybody, everybody stayed quite a while and they enjoyed what they were doing. And that's what counts. Okay. It was fun. And we saw a lot of uh, Voltron pajamas from the Voltron store. Yes, that is true. I remember that. This is that's true. Awesome. You know, maybe next year, depending on where they hold the convention, Maybe a bunch of people wearing Voltron pajamas can go shopping late night at a Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> then you might show up on another website. Um, <laughs> Walmartians? Is, is that still a thing? <laughs> anyway. But, well, that's uh, cool. Yeah, that could be cool. Yeah, that's cool. So people were, were enjoying the Friday night festivities, and some of them were yeah. relaxed in their, in their Voltron PJs. Correct. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, uh, how did things get started on Saturday then? Things got started on uh, Saturday with uh, Greg and Shannon with their panel uh, <laughs> from days of long ago or not. 
as in past years, um, the podcast seems to get a panel before they officially do the opening. Right. And so, Mark, in past years, you've you've done the whole welcome Voltron fans, da 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 da. You know, yeah. your podcast intro, but for Voltcon. Right. And so, uh, I did not try to replicate what you do because what you do is yours but i did try to uh uh you know do something kind of uh uh you know out there which i definitely I that... appreciated okay because i'm not that type of personality at all i mean i know you I, say you're an introvert but i can't do that well i just decided i think i said something like welcome voltron fans to voltcon 2022 or something like that like yeah. a game show announcer like uh yeah right anyway it was definitely what we needed first thing in the morning though to like you know get into the like vibe of okay we're gonna review some voltron information get some information that you know i always find i've been a fan of voltron since the beginnings watched it when i was six years old and I always get new ways of looking at it through the panels. Mm. So let's describe uh, what this panel was all about. Can you do that for us, Shannon? Oh, yeah, I, I can definitely do that. Um, basically, the genesis of it was I started going through a bunch of my notes from when I was 13, watching the original show of various questions that I'd had and then, and then continued to build on that. My one real regret about the structure in the end was that I, I wish I had had a way to better design it that Greg and I could have gone back and forth. And because it meant I had it, going and going. Way. Yeah, that's why I threw it to you early. There's that one part where I, I turned to you and I'm, because I asked you to start at a certain point because I thought I could go that long. And I was like, and you also have to bear in mind for me, remember I'm the one who's from the West Coast. You're talking about the 10 a.m. panel? My brain's operating on 7 a.m. time. Oh, right. yeah. Right. And Absolutely. I'm like trying to, I was like, okay. And, <laughs> but Pete did a good job of recording the whole panel, but there were several requests for folks to see the slides in greater detail. And also, I know there were some areas where the description was just so dense, even in my telling it, that it would probably be easier to reread them. Mm -hmm. So I did an export of the PowerPoint without audio. And I've given that to Mark to put up on the website so that people can scrub that at their leisure and just watch it play out. Because even, even by the time we were done, Bob was at the panel and we were done. That was Bob's first request is, can you get this out there so everybody can see it? Mm -hmm. And I said to him, well, at that time, I'll be honest, I didn't even know that Pete, I just thought Pete might've been taking stills in the front row. I didn't know he was taping. And so I said to him, at, Bob, at the time, I said, well, Kim's not here like she normally is. So I've, I've been thinking about different ways of how I do that. Would I provide it with an audio soundtrack? Would I do this or that? We'll get back to you. And the whole time I'm looking right at Pete, not knowing you actually were <laughs> running your iPhone, which I thank you for immensely. That means a lot oh, yeah. to me. It really does. Um, so I went through the history of like the original shows, the third dimension, and also vehicle Voltron, and both also the Golion and, and Dirugger iterations. We were making sure to get that in there all the way through, because for those who don't know, since we haven't brought it up yet, 
this year was the 40th anniversary of Die Rugger, which is the source material for Vehicle Voltron. Mm-hmm. So in a way, it, we became a way to celebrate Vehicle Voltron across the board, which is why both the both heads appear on the program. But by the time I got to the Devil's Due uh, comics take on the Lion Force, that's where my brain just kind of was like, okay, Greg, can you take over? And then Greg took Voltron Force and Legendary Defender to the end of it. And mm-hmm. I, I thank you for splitting that with me because 50 minutes just made it kind of long. Yeah, yeah no problem. Um, I think it was great that we did manage to cover the comics because to a lot of old school Voltron fans, um, that was a first rebirth, I guess you could say, of Voltron. Um, well, after the third dimension, it was it was bringing, so I guess the second regeneration of Voltron and uh, really got a lot of people interested again. And, and uh, so it was cool to, to include that as well. Um, yeah, that was, that was a fun panel. And it was, it was I, I always feel a little bit of pressure whether uh, any time I happen to be part of the panel that precedes opening ceremonies. Um, and this was, was no exception. There was a little bit of that, eh, but, uh, but it really, I think it went really well. And I would say 99.9% of the reason for that was Shannon. She did a wonderful job preparing. So, thank you. Yeah, okay. There's one thing that really struck me when Steve Sterling spoke on Saturday night. He talked about at the end of his, toward the end of his speech, and I'm paraphrasing him, and it's better just to hear him say it. But the idea that, you know, to pay attention to the, the details, the effort they took to try to put it together, but not to get bogged down by it. And I just want to be very clear because I stopped and I like, I never thought of it that way. I mean, everything that I did when I put the origins panel together was, and I, and I make a point of it or tried to in the beginning was here are the different things that are, that are out there to let, let the imagination run wild, you know, but it's not, the intent is not to, you know, pick it apart into a thousand pieces and Mm -hmm. sit there and complain about it. And I in no way want that to reflect on any way that I think they fell short because as we were talking about earlier, what they were asked to do was essentially a miracle. The, the fact that these little tiny things were left, it's, it's just fun to look at it, but obviously we enjoyed it for the whole, for what it is. Sorry, Pete, yeah, so- but that was really important for me to, to want to say after the fact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I'm glad you jumped in with that because it kind of sparked even more of uh, where I was going and you know, at first I was just going to say how masterfully you wove it all together and then getting some of that comic knowledge in there as well. But, you know, just going from Defender of the Universe into the third dimension, and which is five years later, as you pointed out, but then also Voltron Force, which is five years later, and having it be, you know, the concepts of different dimensions being introduced long before any other you know more recent fandoms have been using that and looking at it from that lens made me appreciate it even more and how it's always brought up that you know the Voltcoms from Voltron Force are somewhat like the Bayards from Voltron Legendary Defender and how even though all of these are different you know they all had their origins in Go Lion and bringing it right up to Voltron Legendary Defender, where I think they blended those two together 
you know, with names, with places, and then hearing, you know, Quran say the Diamond Galaxy, but then it's later the Danubian Galaxy. I, I was just amazed at the knowledge given, you know, after watching it for all these years that I can still pick out of these. Cool. Yeah, so so not only were the details covered, but as, as Shannon alluded to, um, things uh, things that weren't nailed down to, to that fans can speculate about. You know, for example, is Voltron, does, is there any sentience in, in Voltron, you know, Lion Force Voltron, for example? Um, you know, there, there are many aspects that even a Goliath and Die Rucker were not covered in detail, and that's fine. And that, and, and frankly, it, it's kind of fun to speculate about those things. So, um, it, so you know, those are some things we can celebrate. I mean, not everything has to be spoon fed to an audience, and um, so it's fun to, to find those little tidbits and try to reverse engineer the lore from the, the hints that we get, which is uh, it's just fun. This is where you were talking about Voltron Defender of the Universe Lion Voltron from 1984. And you had mentioned a trivia question. Here's one that some of you might know. Koran explains at their first meeting, I mean the first meeting of himself and the space explorers, that Eris was once known as the most beautiful planet in the galaxy. For those of you familiar with most of the series, that's the Denubian galaxy. That's not what Koran says the first time they meet him. What is the galaxy's name? What does he say? Now, Liam, I'm so surprised you know this. <laughs> Just kidding. What, what is it? The diamond. The diamond galaxy. Yes, you had it right there. <laughs> so yeah, this was kind of one of the reasons, if any of you have ever seen the star map or the history on it, I started this and then had a long conversation with the late Bill England about it uh, when we were deciding to do the third dimension star map. I said, okay, Koran's under a lot of, a lot of stress. It's just a bunch of strangers on its world. One of the things that hasn't been defined is what are the name of the solar systems? And so that's what I did and Bill decided to run with it when we were stuck together was all the different star systems. That's why they have like Diamond star systems, the Onyx star system, they're all what we know as Earth, uh, precious jewels and minerals, was to... So here's here's a, a cool part of your, your whole presentation here. Uh, not only did you have a trivia question in the middle of this, which of course Natalie answered right, right? Because mm -hmm. <laughs> Natalie is, is, is like the queen of trivia, right? She is. If, if, oh, Natalie's, yeah. if, if Natalie's on your team, you're going to win. That's true. <laughs> I learned that last year. So uh, the other thing is, is that you, you got a chance to talk about this Danubian galaxy and how you had figured it all out back in the day and that you had help from Bill England. Bill England was one of the people that was in that, um, that video, uh, The Birth of Ultron, that was on the mm -hmm. 2006 uh, DVDs. Mm-hmm. And he's also known as the guy that designed the, the Voltron logo, right? That's right. Mm -hmm. So uh, so he was a big part of that, that team back in 1984. And you got to work with him. That is correct. At the time that I was speaking with him, he was still doing creative work 
for them. At that time, they were working on material for the website to go with the third dimension, which is why he had been put in touch with me. And from the notes that I uncovered more recently, I believe that was based directly on the fact that I had reached out in the past to Ted Kotler, which we've talked about on another podcast, because the date, there was a circled date on my notes, and it's the year that I contacted Ted. But basically, when we wanted to, to do the map, the majority of it is what I already had, had done out and put out on my website, which had been out public for a number of years. Bill tweaked a couple things. He added a couple elements, one of which we ran into this last year in the trivia contest. And I'm gonna, is that if you know, most people obviously have not seen it. There's some shots of it on the internet. For some people do have copies of it, they grabbed. If you look at it, there is one point where there is a Merlandian asteroids or over, I think it's the Crimson Quadrant. So in his mind, Merla was from the Danubian galaxy, but I know that stuff was done for the 30th anniversary book that puts her somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And so technically there's, there's two different answers for that. And right. I have my take on how both can be true. <laughs> that's, for another, that's for another time. But it was a very neat experience. I did not know at the time that he had been involved with the logo and to the extent of it. So for me to actually see those interviews on the DVDs years later, and like, yeah, I remember that voice because what little we did was all by phone back then. But like, mm. I, so I got to learn more about him at that point. And yeah, it was really nice to be able to bring that personal bit of myself into it. Here's a bunch of facts of, oh, by the way, here's what became of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so really cool. Yeah, I'm glad I, I got to, to do it. it. It really was. A lot of fun to do, and I'm glad that I've gotten the feedback that that, that folks enjoyed it as much as they did because I I didn't know how it would be received. So, thank you. Good, very good. All right. So, what happened after that panel? The Volcon 2022 opening ceremonies with Kevin Clark and Patrick O'Connor, and uh, you know they did their introductions and welcomed us all uh, to Volcon, which is always you know, for me, a little, the welcoming coming after the, the first panel is always a little strange, but it's always a kind of a Volcon tradition now. Yeah. Yep. So, um, so opening ceremonies and then after opening ceremonies, what did we go to? We went to the evolution of the super robot, which is a panel that uh, Patrick did that traced the evolution of the super robot genre through animes Uh, history from its initial influences in the 70s and 80s heyday and beyond and he highlighted the first super robots the combiners which later influenced the development of Voltron and during that panel he played um, snippets of all of the the opening themes and he discussed you know something that uh, Greg is very uh, knowledgeable on on how um, not all of these super robots transformations um, could be easily transformed into a toy. Right. And, uh, you know, he mentioned some, I think they were the getters, the robo getters that just 
there was no way of making those transformations go into a toy. Animation magic. Yeah. I will say that regrettably I was not able to to attend every panel at VoltCon. I don't think any I don't think anyone could attend every panel. Um, but we collectively had four panels uh between Shannon and myself. Well, mm-hmm. The interview was was just me on with the stage, you, but, but but still, that yeah. was a huge amount of time. Yeah, for, on Saturday alone, that's the point. Yes, we were pretty and then, booked on Saturday. Yeah, and then Bob Coppler asked me to assist with his presentation too, so so I was up there for that as well. So <laughs> what did you have to do? Is, uh, I was the slide person, I was, oh. and I'm the the next. Uh, yep. But doggone it, I clicked that next button like a champion. Uh, <laughs> But, but um, honestly, so so the panels that I did miss, unfortunately, uh, uh, Patrick's was one of them. Um, it was not from lack of interest, but just needing to get out and breathe every now and then, and and uh, you know get a little bit of you know just get out and you know eat on eat something or what you know what I mean. Point well, is, I think that we all go through that. But what time had the vendor hall opened up? The space mall. A nine thirty for VIPs. And uh, we got to go in and see, uh, you know, Tiffany from the Voltron store and VIPs got the sneak peek and then everyone else got to come in at 10. Okay, so uh, for most people, it was 10 o'clock, but for VIPs, it was 930. And then it was open until when? I think the Space Mall was open until what, five? It was, was five it? because it closed right at the end of the Dirugger panel. I remember us talking about this. Okay. And that's the other thing while we're talking about layout that was oddly uh different for this one i mean obviously i didn't go to the first two but when i was at 2021 the media tables and all of that were in one room well the way that they split it off was that the special guests cat's <laughs> haven and the charity auction stuff it's not even on the map pete it's across yeah. the space mall but there, it wasn't actually written wow yeah yeah they that was had, a little bit yeah that, that was a bit that was a bit awkward and i suspect this is probably not something that had been um you know part of their uh, the overall plan uh just like the con suite went up on the fourth floor rather than the first um unfortunately a lot of the folks who were sitting at those tables in that room did not get a lot of foot traffic because uh it was kind of off in its own area um now so so uh I, be, I believe Starbase Indy had a panel that they that they were doing, yeah they had a table uh, yeah and there was one authors. other local con the author, the authors I thought were actually were they not in the main room they were well, actually in I, I think some I think there was one or more authors in the dealer room and I thought there might have been one or maybe just books from one might have been at the Starbase Indy table I don't recall yeah I think it was Starbase Indy Cat's Haven in in conjunction. Uh, right. in conjunction yes. yeah in conjunction yeah. and starbase indy were next to each other and then we were off but we were never at our well, no, i take it back you were briefly at the table on saturday but we never really were able to utilize it the way we thought yeah. steve should have been right by the door but i don't know if he ever even used it and poor yeah, cat's haven was so. around the corner you had to know they actually got moved into steve's spot on sunday so people would see them mm, and like yeah. you said i don't i don't fault this on the on our friendly con preparers at all there were clearly some curveballs thrown them by the window i'll just say that and they rolled okay. with it as best they could <laughs> yes they did a good job they've, with that. they've done an amazing job with different venues over the years as well and 
I think this is the most space that has been given. And, you know, I think it was well-intentioned, you know, that's where um, Kevin's castle of lions, you know, quote unquote dollhouse was mm -hmm. that I would have loved to have played with um, even now for it just as a kid and mm -hmm. all of the um, in that room with the hall and the hall guests and media tables was also all the auctions that were going on. Mm -hmm. So I think there was good intention to have good flow through that room. It's just, there was so much else going on um, with the space mall that I misquote, it was uh, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Ah. However, oh, okay. you know, with that, with the space mall going on with so many great vendors, with the, the viewing room and the panels, right. I think it was just more than we could all take in. Yeah, like you were saying, Greg, you, you might not have been able to catch all the panels because yeah. of the viewing room, because of the, the vendor room, all that kind of stuff going on. So, and and people just want to hang out with their friends too, you know? Yeah. Right. Well, I will say that I have never, ever at any of the four Voltcons been able to step into the media screening room where they actually play the different anime <laughs> shows and all that. I've never been in the room because there's been so many other things happening. Uh, but I, I, I but I did for a short little bit in the first year and the second year, but yeah, that that was it. Yeah, there's only so much you can do and 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 with the time you got. So no, I feel bad walking into those rooms because you still want to talk to the people and some people want to watch the the movie or the TV right. show being played. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You almost have to be quiet in that one because yeah. people want to watch it. So yeah. so what happened after Patrick's panel? And uh, we had Steve Sterling, Steve Sterling. interview. Very cool. So that was, my gosh, that was a lot of fun. So as as uh, Mark and Shannon will attest, uh, uh, I was a little, in preparing for that, um, I threw together a bunch of questions and asked them to uh, review, suggest changes, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I wound up going back on a kind of an earlier uh, uh thought about them but, but but in any case um had had a pretty good set of interview questions together earlier so i thought um and then um there was a flight curveball where steve had already prepared uh, a presentation of his own so yeah um but it worked out fine because uh, you know i i have a, a tendency to wing it on this podcast quite a bit uh <laughs> it's, hopefully it's not too bloody obvious but <laughs> rather than do a, a crap ton of presentation or you know, preparation um but steve you know it was it, it was it was a, it was an interactive kind of a thing it wasn't just him going blah 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 it wasn't that at all he was very right. passionate about about what he uh, has done what he's doing now um and there were there was q a along the way and and then uh there were still uh several things that 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 people could ask him including me from my uh, lengthy set of uh, of questions even though i think he probably covered about 80 percent of what I was planning to ask. Uh, it was a great conversation, very insightful. Uh, he's very passionate about what he does and what he has done, and it's contagious. When you see someone uh, talking about things that they do or they've done and they're very passionate about it, 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 it rubs off on you. And, and uh, that was just a lot of fun. So uh, that was a, definitely a highlight for me. I think an underlying theme of his interview was the fact that he mentioned that there were a, a top five of things that he's done in his life, mm -hmm. top five things that he's been involved with. And, and Voltron was one of those. Yeah. 
and that says something because he had, he's done a whole lot and and you know Voltron and animation wound up being uh, a fairly small part of his of his uh, of his uh, professional background but uh, it was a very very big thing for him and it was it was it was just great to hear him uh, talk about it with such fondness. Yeah. If I had a single word that I would use to sum up that interview, it would be the word vulnerability. And I'll tell you that something from being here in LA, I think it's really rare to see somebody who has done as much as he has, been as involved as he has, be as open and frank and honest about the good points and the bad mm -hmm. as he was. And that, that amazed me. And he yeah. just kept reinventing himself with different things. And, you know, I knew that I was going to be excited about hearing his Voltron stories, but to find out that on my DVD shelf, he also played a part in uh, Dr. Dre and Eminem's Up in Smoke video, um, a Motley Crue video that I have. And, you know, I didn't know I had a whole Steve Sterling section um, that I could build out of DVDs that I never knew he had a part of. Yeah, um, he had mentioned uh, Pete Seeger at one point. Yeah, yeah. So that was one of his one of his bigger things that he was involved with. Um, he he had some good stories though about some of the voice actors from from Voltron, right? And so they're working in a mirror, uh, creating characters with their voices. You know, where I go with my voice, how can I do this? Oh gosh, I can do this. And they're not going to give you one of their characters for nothing, or or, or just for you know a one time only. They didn't know what the show was. Rumors were around Hollywood. All oh, these guys are doing the Japanese overdub retread. You know, God bless them. Um, <laughs> but when, when it was like you know, oh my gosh, 125 episodes. Take your rate times 125, and the residuals. It was like you know what? I got a really good character for you. And these people came back, and they just they just nailed it. We, it, it, you could at a union day rate per episode you could get out of one voice actor you could get three voices and one sound effect sort of odd really so you you know we okay you'll do two voices you know peter Cullen, you'll do this and that oh i need a sound effect peter you know and so you you get something and um but once they came in they were just ripping and it was just such a joy because they we, you know, Peter was in, we developed the character by their voices, they sold us their sounds. Once they start understanding the character, they, I can do this, you know, and, and I keep citing Peter Cullen, because Peter Cullen was a guy, I mean, he, he's got countless credits, I mean, movies and all kinds of stuff, but Peter Cullen would be out, like, you know, at that time it was okay to smoke in the lounge, but he'd be smoking away and stuff, and, you know, he was a whiskey drinker and stuff, and I'd be like, and Peter, it's like, he's, how do you think I keep my voice so rough? And he was smoking cigarettes and drinking whiskey, not on not on the job, uh, drinking anyway. But um, but it was really something where, because what we were doing is we were fitting scenes, and so we were everything was on the stopwatch. So we had these professionals, and it did pay off. We had them come in, and you could say to any of them, B.J. Ward. Um, I go down the whole list. I got them up here because I, I just want to make sure everybody remembers who they are. Um, and you would say, um, I need you, I need a lot more energy, but I need you to take another second and a half to say it. 
So think about that. You have to be much more excited about saying something, but you need to take longer to say it. It's, it's, a, it's a mismatch. So one thing to keep in mind, for those of you out there who don't already know, because the voice actors were recorded to a pre-existing video track, even though editing was available to retime things, because of the time pressure, the actors were usually recorded to a stopwatch. Is that right? To a tenth of a second. Isn't that something? We, we could say to, I could say to somebody, uh, Michael, Michael Bell, you know, Michael, could you, I need you, I need another take of that. I need just a tenth of a second shorter. Well, you know, you'd really say to yourself, what is a tenth of a second to a voice actor? And I don't actually think they knew. I think we would just keep taking takes and we'd get there. Oh, great, perfect, good. Okay, we'd buy that take next and we'd just, you know, keep going. Yeah, it was, um, but, but, but one of the great delights is working with them. They were very professional, very proud of what they were doing. And it was really fun, again, to sort of be under this little bit of a, Thing, ah, the Japanese, you know, what were the retread people? Because when these, when these folks, I keep saying guys, but BJ Ward and um, also, but when, when they were going around town, what he wrote Voltron, they're like, ah, oh, you know, and they're like, wait till you see it. You know? <laughs> and then everybody had turned everybody right away, and they're like, oh my God, what do these guys do? And and the, those voices really, as we all see and witness, they they gave us this foundation for something of really believable characters that could really, really imbue um, the, the characters that were being written um, and shown. So um, uh, it, was, it was a great joy, and um, I, I, I'll tell one of the little weird thing, but you know, if you don't mind, I'll keep you, you, can, you can like give me this. I am not going to do that. You know, LA is a car town, You right? could talk so all afternoon. Everybody, so we, we'd be in the studio, and in LA they had, you know, the studios had kitchens, some of them had chefs, they were really nice, really. I mean, you, so, anyways, we're there. We're just in a little recording booth. You know, we're, it's, it's like me. You're my associate director, and then right there is you know the performer. They're right there at a podium, you know, with a microphone and headphones on, one at a time. And um, so we're hanging out in the kitchen. Yeah, how's it going? You know, Peter's out smoking a cigarette and um, you know talking. So I'm I'm standing with Michael Bell and Lenny Weinberg. And again, look these people up. They're just amazing. Michael Bell, you all wouldn't know it, but he was. Um, he was the voice of something called uh, Parquet Margarine. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Longest one. says you know, butter, 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 and then Parquet, and, um, <laughs> and that was him. And it was I think this thing ran like fifteen or twenty years. Michael had two places: one in um, Palos Verdes, which is south of uh, Los Angeles, this nice sort of peninsula in the Santa Monica Bay. Um, that he called uh, Butter Estates. <laughs> he had a place up in Santa Barbara, right? A, a, a ranch called Rancho Residuales. <laughs> they got so many residuals. So. Anyways, but I'm standing there and just listening. I'm thinking, these guys are driving up in like Plymouth Dalliance and, and, you know, just little Chevys and stuff. I was like, wow, for such a car. I, I mean, I know from us, these people are making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, and I believe they're probably making like half a million dollars a year because they're doing Budweiser commercials and movies and all this stuff. And so I just, I just you know, I'm in the parking lot, see them come in. I'm like, it's so funny. They're just really, in such a car town, you'd think these guys have got really nice cars. I'm standing there, and Michael Bell and Lenny Weinriver chatting, and um, Lenny was like, I think he was like, you know, Barney on the Flintstones. Again, just look at their credits, it's wonderful. But anyway, so uh, Michael Bell looks at Lenny and says, you know, so Lenny, you still have your Bentley? And they go, oh no, I sold my Bentley, I got a Rolls Royce. And you know, they start talking about cars, and I'm like, oh, these are their bumper cars. These guys just drive around these crummy little Plymouth Valleys just to go to the recording studio. <laughs> oh yeah. And I will say that the Christmas presents I got from these people were, were almost embarrassing, you know, just because wow. they, 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 you know, I was somebody who helped them, you know, make a lot of money. But.
All right. So I, I just wanted to say that uh, Steve Sterling had gi given a really cool story about the voice actors, about uh, Michael Bell and his two <laughs> butter estates and rancher residuales, and and about him and Lenny talking about Bentleys and, and Rolls Royces, and they come to work in a Plymouth Valiant, you know, so <laughs> I, th I thought those were great stories. I was going to say, it was just, I'd forgotten some of that. So it was great to hear that again. Uh, yeah, just to, to, to hear the detailed memories he's got and, and, and how fondly he looks back on, on, those, uh, on those experiences. So it's a blast. I will say real quick, one of the things that I appreciated is that I know historically when there have been guests up like this, it's been you and Mark. That, that have both been there. Like when I was there last year with Benjamin Kaltenecker, that's what you did. And for a number of reasons, we ended up deciding that it, it made the best sense for Greg to do it solo, partially because he's better identified with the podcast. I think just having the two of you up there, especially given it was 90 minutes in duration, gave such a wonderful sense of intimacy to it that I'm not sure would have been achieved with two hosts up there. Mm. And so I, I frankly really appreciate the way it turned out. Yep. I was surprised that it flowed as well as it did, given the, uh, um, you know, I just didn't expect that there was going to be a presentation up front, uh, but it went really well. He's, he was, Steve was so easy to talk with. It really, uh, it made it feel like a, just a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Uh, it was, it was just so much fun. I look forward to, uh, to us chatting with him again on the podcast. Even after his monologue, uh, I thought the the rest of the interview flowed nicely, and I think what was great. Oh, we're seeing a, a pup in the picture now too. <laughs> yes, he's pooping um, in and out. I, I I thought it was really interesting that when they were reaching out to voice actors, you know that the voice actors didn't want to give up their best voices, but after they told the agent that it was 125 episodes, that everything turned around. Right. And uh, had a lot of weight behind it. Yep. Money talks. That was unheard of back then to, to get a 125 episode contract. Yeah. That was 65 just a... is kind of your limit in most cases, right? I mean, the 13 weeks of uh, five episodes a week. Yeah. Yeah. That's what was common then. And it kept getting stripped down. By the time I was on Extreme Ghostbusters, we had a 40 minute, there's a 40 minute, 40 episode season. Wow. You know, in, in most cases, you didn't know if you were going to get more seasons. Right. But in, in the case of Ultron, since they were developing it to be originally a trilogy, they really wanted to have that 125-episode contract. And because it was going out, you know, across all of syndication and everything, they knew they had something good on their hands. All right, so the Steve Sterling interview was great. And what followed Steve Sterling's interview? We had our cell phones taken for Bob Coppler's Voltron past, present, and future. Yeah, that was a weird experience because we're we're sitting there at the end of the interview and the next very next thing we're told is basically all of you step outside, me you take your phones. There's no context. It's like, oh, okay. And I was like, all right, because normally that that's one thing they don't do ever at Voltcon is rarely at cons unless it's like we were talking about in the beginning, the kind of large scale media showing. So that kind of gave me a hint from my experience. In my case, I actually had to run my stuff back up to my room because I 
because of work security, I really didn't want to leave my stuff downstairs. I'm like, I'd rather lock it my, in my room and come back for it. So mm -hmm. I don't know what the process was like for, and Greg doesn't because Greg wound up being uh, asked to help Bob out on stage. So you got to stay put. So Pete, what was that process like actually having to check in phones? Oh, I had to check in mine too. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, yes, both yes. of you can talk about that. I can't because I decided. Go ahead, go ahead though, Pete. Well, uh, first I was able to talk to uh, Steve Sterling and his daughter for a little while while we were waiting in line because we all had to line up and it was almost like on the table, um, Tiffany from the Voltron store had all of these like shoe pockets. It's the only way I could think of it, It'd, like be hanging on the back of a door and we all had to put yeah. our phone in and we got a little ticket with the number that was corresponding to the phone. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, I don't want to give my phone up. And we're like, yeah, but Bob cleared the room for this. So when Bob Coppler clears the room, yeah, we're giving up our cell phones. So, you know, there had to be a hundred cell phones there, it seemed, on the wow. table all, like, tucked away. The room was packed and, you know, we all went in line. And I got a picture of uh, me and Steve Sterling. And in the back, you could see people lining up to get into the room. So it had to be the most exciting part of the the whole weekend, just getting into the room. And then, you know, once we were in there, it was just amazing. Okay. So that sounds really exciting. And then how did he start the panel? He asked me to run the slides. And so <laughs> I ran the slides. You guys could speak to that more than I can. I was on stage kind of going, eh, I hope I don't uh, take too long. <laughs> <laughs> do it at the right times he started with the history you know how they got to the point uh you know mm -hmm. his father ted coppler you know having the vision to do all this and you know the stories we've heard many times and then he got into the excitement okay i was impressed how knowing that most people would want the excitement he actually got that story down really really concise it was like it was the high point of this the high point of this the high point of this but i know you're here for this <laughs> did it did it seem like he did anything similar to the days when they had the voltron store live show on facebook i don't think it was anything um, no no or wacky he no. played it pretty <laughs> uh pretty even okay yeah. all right I was just wondering if he did any of that. <laughs> plus, I, I think he probably was feeling. Plus, I think he was probably feeling a little bit of, uh, uh, maybe a little bit of stress since you know he was doing something that uh, isn't often done. Right. With this material, and we already talked about the material um, a little bit early on. Right. So yeah. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure he had to make sure he got all kinds of permissions before he could even do something like this at VoltCon. And once he got all those and things were done from a legal standpoint, which Bob has a legal background, you know, yes, he does. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so I'm, I'm pretty sure he, he understood everything that went into that. And then they had to make sure that they just had everybody hand in their cell phone so that they wouldn't have anything coming out, you know, on, on the World Wide Web. Yep. And he made it clear that nothing that he showed us was anything official or anything that really 
tips a hat to, you know, something actually going on, but it was still cool to see. Yeah. Yeah, there were, without, without venturing over the spoilery line, he had to qualify, as Pete already said, this was a piece made to show the studios what could be possible. No element of it necessarily meant this was how X or Y or Z would look or be. This is how it might be. And that's right. pretty much where he left it. Cool. Very cool. So what happened after Bob's panel then? After Bob's panel, uh, Marika had her Robotech, the Macross saga, um, where she really just went over Robotech first appearing in U.S. television in 85, you know, where it was adapted from, uh, you know, similar to Voltron's origins and, you know, how they brought multiple shows together and uh, just reintroducing how groundbreaking Robotech was in 85 after Voltron. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with what Greg said earlier. This was one of the places where, is, and I know Marika delivers well because I, I went to another panel of hers over the weekend, but this is history that I knew very well. And to Greg's point, I hadn't, I hadn't eaten since breakfast. I had to track something down or I was going to probably literally fall over. Mm-hmm. So this, this had to be the one. It's like, I know most of this content. Um, so yeah, food had to be more important, regrettably there. So Okay. But Pete, it sounds like you, you did actually go. I, I caught a couple minutes of it, but I too hadn't eaten um, since early on. And I knew I was uh, going to try to record the next panel. So I had to run up to my room and grab some food, but Marie sure, that's all. Just if you were out. following us around all day, and well, Greg and I were booked quite a bit, and where where Greg was, I pretty much was on Saturday. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't able to to take part in that panel either. But uh, Marika, of course, uh, present is a really good presenter, and uh, yeah, I think all three of us knew the material fairly well. So, and un- unfortunately, we we did wind up missing that panel. But uh, we love you, Mama Voltron. <laughs> yes, we do. All right. So what happened after Marika Levine's panel on Robotech? Die Rugger fighting formation on, which uh, <laughs> Greg and Shannon can definitely uh, tell better than this description in the book. Yeah, so um, it began uh, as I was pre- preparing for that panel. Uh, it was going to focus only on die rugger because in 2021 i had presented about vehicle team voltron so the the thought was why be redundant and then at when we had uh, uh kevin and patrick on uh the podcast he uh shared the description of the panel and it very much indeed covered vehicle team voltron as well so i had to do an about face on that and wound up doing a uh, a split screen kind of presentation where um, rather than retread old material, uh, I, I tried to put it with a die rugger focus on one side of the slides and the Voltron equivalent on the other side of the slides. So um, it was basically introducing uh, die rugger and or vehicle team Voltron to people who didn't already know the material. So um, with this being the 40th anniversary of Armored Fleet die rugger 15, that was really sort of the uh, the motivation. Um, so that was fun. Uh, I did reuse 
with a lot of changes uh some of the graphics that i had had uh, prepared for 2021 but uh but most of the material was new so uh so that like, was fun. like some of the character pictures some of them really so in 2021 i had this slide with like 50 drools on it you know because mm -hmm. they 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 had so many commanders yeah. and captains and right. all that other stuff you know the revolving door of uh of drool uh officers mm -hmm. and so i did those graphics were all reused but virtually everything else was new um yeah so so i wound up even spreading that over a few slides rather than trying to shove it all into one because as i was going back through and, and filling in the die rugger character names along with the uh the voltron character names they just wouldn't fit on that that uh, enormous teeny tiny grid of faces that i'd had before so uh uh still that was a lot of fun it was fun to point out favorite die rugger episodes versus the voltron counterparts and all that sort of thing so when when you give the panel you're allowed to show your favorites yeah that's what i that's what i told him In fact, when, he, when he first did it it said favorites and i said put greg's favorites because these are greg's oh no yeah. own your favorites and one of the things the diff big differences i think in approaching this particular one which was also kind of helpful for me because we all know i like story instead of one of the big things that we did last year was we we kind of broke down scene by scene the pilot episode um of vehicle voltron and how that went here we talked without getting spoilery that was the tricky part <laughs> comparing overall arcs and motivations and a high level mm -hmm. so so that if for anybody that would have seen the one the three of us did together the year before we definitely brought them a different way of looking at it on practical yeah. fronts okay yeah yep for for example uh the differences in the story arc between commander hazar and his die rugger counterpart uh tell us um de deliberately avoiding explaining what happens to that character by the end of the series for example mm -hmm. Uh, things like that but uh but that was a lot of fun and and uh yeah it's it's amazing 40 years uh, 40 years later and we're still trying to avoid spoiling people right that is funny but but <laughs> die rugger is is not as easy to uh, to watch uh to find although uh uh toy has been uh going i think i think shannon you said that they're all out there now on the toy well, youtube it, channel well, but some toy, are not it's bandai it's bandai appears to well, have, it's Right, it's Bondi on the Bondi Spirits channel. You were, I think it was oh. you who had, who had let us know about the link originally. Because we asked Bob about it explicitly. We were like, is this licensed? Because it said web on. He's like, yeah, they're, they're out yeah, there. Yeah, that they're was on Friday. At the, yeah, Friday. Yeah, at the con we suite, we asked him. Yes. Yeah, cool. but, but I think, didn't you notice, Shannon, that the last four episodes did not have the English subtitles? subtitles? That's correct. Yeah. So everything with the last four. Um, so that you can kind of, I mean, obviously you can watch them and sort of figure out what's going on, but not all the, not all the nuances very easily. And but I, my guess is, this is what I was saying, and we didn't confirm it with Bob. My guess is that Bondi got the rights to stream those on YouTube because they were selling Solichagokin and wanted people to sense. recognize the property. That makes sense. And and I have to give uh, Shannon a major tip of the hat uh, with the Dyerger panel. You, there's something you had emailed about Shannon. This is some months back uh, that you were rewatching 
some episodes of Vehicle Voltron, and you had noticed uh, something that I had glossed over that episode, it's production number 146, actually looked and smelled in Voltron, not in Die Rugger, looked and smelled like it was the true final episode as opposed to uh, 152. And um, I did go back and re-review that based on you pointing that out in an email. And, and sure enough, that is very much the case. So I think I did point that out in the panel for 2022. Um, but it was one of those details that I had glossed over and, and didn't sink in for the 2021 presentation. So um, that was a fun revelation. And, and I actually went back through the scripts uh, that uh, Webb has so graciously shared with with Mark and me for our episode reviews. And that episode was the last Vehicle Voltron episode to be recorded or uh, punched up and written and all that stuff. So it really was indeed intended to be the final uh, episode for that uh, for that gang. Um, so, yeah. So thank you for pointing that out. I loved your graph with that. Um, you know, the Dirugger a nice straight line and then the the way vehicle voltron came out all over the place as far as where they fit in uh interestingly that that uh the way the show's aired it doesn't jibe in in the, in the sense that uh, the 46th uh, episode uh, production 146 was not the last new episode to air for the vehicle team so um even that is is off uh, but I would say the same of uh, the Lion Force episodes versus uh, Go Lion. The ones that were adapted from Go Lion did not air in order either. Um, so it's anyone's guess as to what the true narrative sequence of either of those uh, sets of Voltron episodes were. But uh, we it, it does seem certain that uh, at least uh, the 46th episode of uh, the Vehicle Team episode seems to have been the intended last episode of that of that sequence. I just think that uh, one thing that really stood out for me during this panel um, was between Shannon and Greg's presentation on the fact that they tried making other Voltrons and failed, that it was kind of the only place that I could see where you could have slid in a reason for Lightspeed Albagus to Lightspeed Electrode Albagus to be able to become Gladiator Voltron because it could have been one of those test trial runs. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it's the first time I've been able to figure out a, a continuity place where you might be able to fit it in um, with the way things would have had to be rewritten. Yeah, that's okay. a really good point. Um, also, if, uh, if folks have not uh, listened or watched the episode where... Uh, uh, Seamus Kelly and Mark and I discussed the first two episodes of Al Vegas that uh, Toei had made available on their YouTube channel. Right. Um, that's a lot of fun because we sort of speculated how it might fit in in, in a Voltron context, how it might right. have been adapted, how it could have been worked in. But uh, you you pointing out that specific episode that uh, that Shannon and I alluded to uh, in, in uh, the vehicle team, it does seem like a really interesting place to slot that in. Okay, so what happened after the Die Rugger panel then? Well, uh, the Art of Cosplay with Mama Voltron and Eric Stalker, where they looked at um, how to start, a, you know, they were asking how, where do you start? Where do you begin with a cosplay? And they really gave a crash course and advice on how to get started, the materials to use. And uh, then that went right into the cosplay contest after that. 
um, there it's a lot of a lot of basics. Uh, what the way that they tend to cut it, I noticed this last year too, is that uh, Mama Voltron will focus more on the use of fabrics and sometimes the use of props, whereas Eric tends to get more technical. If, if okay. you're looking for the lighting, that that kind of aspect of it. And I think that they balance it very well that way when they're both up there together. Okay, go ahead, Pete. No, I was gonna say the same thing. Eric uses the, you know, the, the molded foam to build like elaborate costumes where Marika just is an, a wizard when it comes to sewing. Ah, okay, all right. And then we got it right into the rolled right into the cosplay contest, right? It did. So, how many people participated that that you can remember? I'm trying to look back at some of the pictures, and they just don't I'm, really do it justice. No, I felt the same way with mine. I can't remember an exact number, Mark. To your question, it is under twenty, but it's above fifteen. I want to say seventeen was the last number. It, so Sounds it was great. somewhere between 15 and 20. Groups, like pairs of people? Well, like the, the one particular case where the family went up, they were all one number. Yeah. I'm remembering, yeah. the, I'm thinking of the physical numbers that people were That's wearing. True. I don't okay. remember that exceeding 20. Is, is this the kind of thing where people were wearing those costumes throughout the day? Or did they just start wearing them at the, at the time of the contest? It varied. Oh, okay. Some of them had multiple cosplay changes throughout the weekend. Okay. And, you know, like a big chef cosplay, the one I was talking to earlier from Texas, you know, had two separate hunks um, from VLD. Uh, Katarina and Leonidas, um, who help out with one of Eric's panels um, the next day, you know, they go between Keith and... Um, Shiro and several other characters. Uh, Natalie this year did a Larmina mm -hmm. um, yeah. cosplay that was really with the good. battle staff. Yeah, nice. And uh, you know, a lot of VLD in the cosplay, you know, um, and um, we always get uh, Ryan in his uh, Kaltenecker costume. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, during that, and uh, Eric had a uh, wasn't Voltron related, but a GI Joe bat that Ooh. he did the battle wow. android trooper. Yeah, that was slick. So, who ended up winning? I remember that Hunk was, I believe, in the top three. Okay, but there were so many good costumes that I the way they announced it. You know, it really was tough to tell who was the overall winner because there was just so much excitement around it. Maybe Shannon, do you remember? I think the top one was, and I do not know the person's name. This person was new to me. May not be new to the con, but was definitely new to me. The individual who had done up the whole costume as the Green Lion in a week where that person they had they had learned sewing from their mother because their mother had been a quilter that was that was the one that that took the top okay. but i don't know that person's name okay the green lion onesie kind of 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah, complete with the, the shield on the back. Yep. Yeah. Nice. And Tony was second. Was third Larmina, um, Natalie? Might have been. Yeah, I think Natalie was third. Okay. okay. Cool. So do you think this, this year's cosplayers uh, stepped up from previous years, or do you think that it was a, a different crop of people this year? You, you had mentioned there were some new people. Tony was new from Big Chef Cosplay. Right. Um, there were definitely some new faces. Um, I would not have recognized Natalie as Larmina compared to, <laughs> um, you know, being Voltron Force Pidge. Right. So, you know, we saw some of the same costumes or cosplays from VLD, but everyone brought something different to the table, at least for the contest. Cool. Yeah. Indeed. So what happened after the contest? Then uh, we had a short break before the shakeups, uh, Legendary Defenders Live, which is always fun, um, you know, when you have a house band. Yeah. Well, didn't they have a, a new song this year that uh, had to do with Vehicle Voltron? They did. Uh I it sounded I, I know I've heard it before. I don't remember if they had it at Volcon last year, but I, I had heard it before. Um, but it was great. It was fun to hear. That's cool. Of course, they always finish with video killed the radio star, right? Yes, yep. yes. <laughs> so uh, normally yours and Kim's favorite part of it uh, for that song, not because <laughs> it's the end. Right. Um so after the shakeups, didn't they do a, a little presentation of Steve Sterling to introduce a couple of episodes? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Steve Sterling introduced a couple of uh, Voltron Defender of the Universe episodes? From Voltron Lion Force, it was uh, Yurik Gets His Pink Slip. And then from Vehicle Force, it was uh, Planet of the Amazons. Nice. Uh, and yep. Steve just gave a general overview. Well, I, I, I was going to say, this is where I fall out for the night, because after that, they screen, they went into a screening of three Voltron Legendary Defender episodes. At that point, I got up, I had to interrupt you in a long conversation, as I understand it, you had had with Steve Sterling in the back. I thought he ducked out after the intro. I didn't realize he was still there. But poor me, poor, poor jet lagged me. I mean, I wanted to stay up all night with everybody. But having been up early, the time difference and everything, I had to go to bed. And so thank you for letting me cut in for about five minutes to talk to Steve again. And then I went upstairs and frankly, I went to bed. So at this point, I'm off the radar. Okay. Whatever happened the rest of the night, I don't know. Yeah, I, I was off the radar at roughly the same time. I don't remember mm -hmm. if I disappeared before or after Shannon did, but uh, yeah. Yeah, Steve Sterling stuck around for the entire screening of um, the Lion Force and Vehicle Force right through Legendary Defenders. I had a great conversation with him. Uh, we had found out that we know some people in common from where I am here in Pittsfield, Mass. Wow. Wow. We talked a little bit about that. Um, I found out that from his daughter when I told her where I was from, and she uh, explained uh, um, a business person around here, but during uh the episodes uh during um planet of the amazons and listening to 
um, the voice acting, you know, the leaders of both teams were both voiced by Neil Ross. Mm -hmm. And I asked uh, Steve Sterling if, you know, they saw that that was going to be a problem if the two lead characters had the same voice. And he kind of alluded to it was discussed, but they were just in such a rush and it ended up working. Mm -hmm. Um, But I hadn't noticed, you know, how much of the voices were the same um, until, you know, watching them back to back, you know, with Steve Sterling there to ask questions with. And he was just wonderful all weekend. Wow. Yeah. And a few people went up and I you know, was able to get my uh, puzzles and maze book signed by him after, which was cool. That's cool. fun. You know, and just I think he was amazed by the fact that it's still around and, you know, that VLD just kind of picked up and, you know, reimagined it. Very nice. All right. So that was Saturday. Tell us about the Sunday schedule. Sunday schedule, um, you know, we, a bunch of us met for breakfast again, which was good, um, you know, catching up with our friend Saeed from Texas. Uh, oh, he yeah. joined us that day and, mm-hmm. you know, other people. And, you know, we do have some pictures from from breakfast that morning. Uh, it was great having, you know, people bring their children to this so we got to see you know them enjoying it Saeed's son was there and um you know we caught up with Kyle and then we went into uh the trivia contest uh-huh. which uh, was Kevin Clark and Tara Scully this year right and of course you know if if you had Natalie at your table you were going to do well <laughs> and uh the rest of us we tried hard right so how many teams were there that was kind of it's the two. interesting point. Just two. Okay. Well, depends two on and a half. how you followed it. Two and a half. Because <laughs> okay. I was I was taking pictures the whole time. I'd already told uh Kevin I was not going to be in it this year. Okay. And so there was a bunch of you at one end, and you had Natalie on your team, Greg, a bunch of you were at that end, and there was the other group at the yellow table by the other door. Well, there were people that kept coming in during that have never done this before because the difference in layout was that the four tables for trivia were at the back behind the main seating so everybody was coming into the main room and just kind of sitting down where they were the team were they not and organically kind of the blue team grew on its own throughout the course there because that was where Marky was and his daughter and a couple other people that whose, whose names that I don't know and to, oh, Tony showed up too. And they just all started sitting at the blue table and they were like, are we with yellow or separate? Because I remember Tara and Kevin were trying to figure out how to count them. And eventually I, I think they just started counting them separate from what I could, what I could figure by watching it. We okay. found out that the, uh, the toy collector's table was not, was not gonna be the winners of trivia overall. <laughs> they would be the winners of the merchandise trivia, probably. Right? Oh, undoubtedly. Yeah. <laughs> undoubtedly. <laughs> so uh, did everybody have a good time at trivia? Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Natalie did a great job winning the uh, winning the, the uh, contest for us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, what happened after the trivia contest? 
we moved into Eric Stalker's cosplay creations, which is uh, what Greg started talking about earlier with um, Katarina duct taping Leo um, to show some sort of technique, I guess, of getting body form or something. And they were just having way too much fun on stage. <laughs> it was uh, hilarious. It was like plastic wrap and then duct tape over that. It wow. They were laughing their heads off at different points. It was it was pretty cool. <laughs> and uh, during that, I actually went out and um, I know we talked about Space Mall before, but, you know, oh, yes. Katarina also does some great um, art that was um, she was selling and she's done Voltcon 2022, Voltcon 2021. And I think my personal favorite was the, the Voltcon 2020. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, Katarina signed all of them for me. And uh, these are always available um, at Voltcon. Wow. Um, you know, during Space Mall. But it just shows the versatility of, you know, an artist selling their stuff in the Space Mall and up on stage doing um, cosplay and sh shipping panels. So I should point out that a couple of folks in the space mall that we've seen before, I'm sure there were others, but a couple that came to mind were Kajira. She was back and Archie Cunningham was back as well. And I know there were some more returning people, but those are the two who uh, come to mind off offhand. Yeah. I got an Archie Cunningham original. This nice. Year. Very nice. Nice. I like it. Yeah. Very cool. Now, uh, one thing that we have mentioned about in the, in the panel when we had talked about uh, trivia questions within the panels. Uh, we had asked one trivia question from each panel for Let's Voltron. And uh, the winner, whoever got it right, would get a button, right? Yes, so uh, for the podcast. So yeah. like, Let's Voltron, uh, one of the pin back badge kind of things. Yeah. And um, yeah, and-, oh, and uh, Pete's we got his. All right, hey. there we go. Very cool. Thanks for showing that off, Pete. Yeah, I think uh, I think we gave away to various people throughout the con all but I think maybe three or four. Uh, so they got around. Uh, that was that was fun. And uh, Mark, thanks for ordering those. And yeah, no problem. Me yes. So I could bring them. Yeah, I I thought that was something that was cool to to bring. You know that we hadn't done before. Yeah. So I. I uh, I think it was Shannon's idea, right? Actually, look, we have to give the credit back to the right person. Greg had talked about wanting to do something like that, but that okay. he hadn't had the time. It's, it's for it, last year. And, yeah, it's for last year. And you and yeah. mentioned it offhand to me at some point. I had the brainstorm at, at one day when I was at work. You had that you had alternative means to run these, maybe. So I, I just asked you on a lark, do you think you could do it? And you did it. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Mark. Yep. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Group effort. Forgive me for not preparing you for this question, but are these available on the T Public Store? Yes, they are. All right. I thought I thought I <laughs> so, recognized that design because I've ordered the shirt. Yeah. So, so I know you can get the shirts and you can get stickers and yeah. So, so basically, you can get buttons. There's two different sizes. There's like a smaller and a larger, and you can get those for any of the designs that we have out on the Let's Voltron T Public Store. So, 
you know, you can get our, our podcast logo or you can get one of the things that we had done by artists. So that, that was really cool. Yeah, so, those were hit. Yeah, great. Very much so. Very cool. All right, so after Eric's panel then. Then uh, we got to introduce you on Zoom uh, with <laughs> Castle of Lions. Check it out. Yes. Check it out. Let's and I'm the podcast co-host, Greg Tyler. This is Shane Ramirez. Many of you have probably seen or heard us throughout the weekend. Uh, so, Mark, take it away, sir. Okay. I'm going to get this kicked off. We're talking about a very... Okay. So, we're talking about Voltron's unsung hero, the Castle of Lions. And, of course... Everybody is in a little mini Castle of Lions right now for that main room. So we are going to talk about a lot about how the Castle of Lions, you know, came to be and how it was used by the Voltron Force and the Voltron Paladins in different versions. And we're going to really focus mostly on the uh, Defender of the Universe and uh, Voltron Legendary Defender. Okay, so... We also got to uh, do a little section where we uh, we talked about some of the merchandise that that had uh, Castle of Lions associated with it. Okay, so basically, uh, the thing is, is when I was presenting, you would see on the screen what I was presenting, right? Mm -hmm. But I have a version that I had recorded myself of the the panel and i'm actually going to be able to share that too and you can see what i saw yeah there's no, there's no obvious sign of where that would drop down right yeah speaking of the castle ship what always kind of confused me was where like you said where some of the rooms went particularly like where's alfor's script after that point i mean when the different castle comes up i figured they had previously been going down, down, down to the new castle to see him. So he was probably in there. But when you've lost that much of the castle, where logistically is his script by that point? Hmm. A lot of the bottom's thought. missing. Interesting thought. And then Legendary Defender, I always wonder who built on Eris, who built the bridge that you saw connecting to the castle when it was embedded in the hill. Um, it seems like there would have been a past civilization before the erosions that we saw in the show. Mark, to reiterate the question that was phrased is, Koran seems really surprised as Castle goes from iteration, especially the key to the fortress. Right. How much? It seems like he should have known, but how much do you think he actually knew? Okay, so here's the thing. He knew about the castle ship, the castle becoming a ship. He knew about that because he announced it in the conference room to everybody and he had the key and he was hoping he would never have to use it. So he knew about the castle turning into a ship. He didn't know about the second castle within the castle. And they didn't find that out until Alfor told them. So there was, there was two things there. He didn't know about the new castles coming out of the ground, but he did know about the castle ship. <laughs> okay. So you can see it from my version, and you can see it from this version, and and we'll, we'll play a little bit of both so you can see the the different versions. But this is what people in the room saw, and this is what I would have seen on the call. 
So she completely explains why we have little computers on the desk with us so that Mark <laughs> could see us. <laughs> so that was really cool. Uh, it was a total unique experience, something I had never done before where I was part of a panel, but remotely. And um, I had seen, you know, lots of different things done on stage, you know, where they have a lot of resources, they have a lot of people, technical people that are working to to bring these these live remotes happening, you know, in the middle of panels for for major studios and things like that. But this is the first time it's been done, you know, by the podcast at this small scale, you know, at a convention. So uh, I thought it turned out really nice. And thanks again to Ricky for uh, yeah working their uh, audiovisual wizardry to make that happen. And. We talked about the Castle of Lions, obviously, but we we had a thrust on the uh, Voltron Legendary Defender and uh, Voltron Defender of the Universe, and not so much on the, the Third Dimension and Voltron Force. Obviously, there was more things in Voltron Force we could have shown because there were 26 episodes that had a lot of things happening in a Castle of Lions, and uh, Voltron uh, the Third Dimension also had 26 episodes, but it wasn't as clear, you know, what was going on within a, a, a Castle of Lions all the time. Sometimes it was very dark and you couldn't see very well. So I, I know that there was some specific rooms within the third dimension that they were in and things like that, but I, I just don't think it would have been as good visually in a, in a presentation like this, especially when we had so much more material from 78 episodes of VLD and, you know, uh, I guess 72 episodes of Lion Force Voltron. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, but I think I think that presentation turned out really well, Mark. You uh, obviously prepared well and, and uh, it was fun to have you uh, there virtually. Uh, physically would have been better, but uh, virtually was great. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I, I'm amazed that you did not take the opportunity to mimic Max Headroom. Uh, being the head on the screen that you were but uh kudos to you <laughs> thanks one of my favorite things with the castle from the uh defender of the universe is when it becomes the ship oh, i yeah. would still love to have a ship toy from there so it was just great seeing the different uh ways it's a castle can be used oh i i thought it would have been cool to have a castle ship toy from any of the versions that actually showed a castle ship so yeah. yeah yep that would have been great yeah and, and it, i do wonder though I, I can't remember if i asked this or thought about this during the panel or not you know the the defender of the universe castle of lions sheds a whole lot of itself to uh to reveal the spacecraft uh, i i do wonder if there are any bathrooms left on the ship after they <laughs> discard all you know all the armor and everything else <laughs> You gotta you gotta sacrifice some things in order to make a ship out of it, right? That's right, darn it. <laughs> <laughs> it's propellant, darn it. Anyway. Okay, so what happened after the Castle of Lions panel? After the Castle of Lions, uh, we had um another panel uh believed by uh Marika with Gundam Wing, the after colony timeline. And uh Thanks. I you know, remember being in it for a little of it. I, I loved watching Gundam Wing 
um, when it was on Cartoon Network back in the day. And it was just a good overview of uh, another, you know, a giant robot series that we got to enjoy. Mm -hmm. I personally found it to be very well constructed. I will go on record. I have not seen anything at all from Gundam whatsoever. Um, And by the end of this panel, it was like, I know she says there's, you know, multiple versions of things, but this is definitely showing me how remiss I am in not having managed that in all this time, because there's a lot of deep detail and interesting story going on there too. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I was at the panel. Um, I think I might have seen one of the very earliest Gundam uh, stories way back in the day. Uh, but I don't remember it well at all. Uh, one of my very close friends is a huge fan of Gundam Wing, but we've never talked about it in detail. So this was essentially all new to me. Uh, I did ask a lot of really dumb questions because I didn't understand because she was saying AC after calling you. And I went, uh, what does that mean? <laughs> so uh, she set, she set me straight. Uh, but that was really fun. That was a very formative panel. It's hard right. to keep some of uh various timelines straight so it was a good way to uh you know get that reintroduction after not yeah. seeing it for so long i can't believe it came out i think close to 25 years ago oh okay uh, and then what was after the gundam wing panel after gundam wing katarina and uh leonidas Lanchin uh gave us the vld let's go shipping panel Okay. And this was an encore presentation um, of the Voltron shipping panel, and uh, they did a detailed rundown of every cannon and uh, fan ship for Voltron Legendary Defender. And uh, this was really aimed at you know newer VLD fans that are into um, shipping, which for any of uh, the listeners don't know is uh, when two characters are I guess linked romantically. Um, whether or not be canon or just uh, fans wanting two people to date from the show. <laughs> okay. Now, yeah. as Pete has already pointed out, this was an encore presentation of content from last year, Saturday night. Mm-hmm. I did attend the one last year, Saturday night. So I was out working on basically wrapping things up and uh, winding them down. We still had the table to take apart. There were some other other little things like that. And Greg also sat in. I don't remember if you sat in on yeah. the whole panel, but it, the majority of it was me last year. So yeah, I de- I we, definitely... we did not attend this because it was strictly labeled an encore. We're like, it's the same content. We got to go take the table down. We got to do, do other yeah. stuff. So I yeah. trust I trust Kat and Leo did the two thumbs up job we saw last year. Yeah. Enjoyed it last year and, and was not able to, to see it this year for the reasons that Shannon mentioned, but yeah. And was that the last panel before the closing ceremonies? That was. Okay. So I have to ask, at the closing ceremonies, did they mention that there would be VoltCon in 2023? No. They did not. At that time, they, at that time, they said, we're working on it. They made no promises. Oh, okay. So it hit, that came out since. 
Okay. And I, th- and I thought that's very fair of them because especially with everything they had gone through that weekend in particular, like I said, there's hints, we don't know the full aspects of it, but some of the differences that were going on with how the logistics of this and the hotel, maybe they wanted to be absolutely sure before they said something. And if that's the case, I respect it. I really Okay. Do. That makes sense. So uh, how did the closing ceremonies go? Every, everything go okay through that? Yeah, for yep. the closing ceremonies, we uh, got to uh, find out who won the silent auction. Okay. And, uh, you know, I think they raised a lot of money. Uh, I think a combination of between the con and Cat Haven. Yeah, oh, they, yeah. They, they did split it. Right. And uh, just, I'm looking at the, you know, the number of people involved and there's like, it's like close to like 15 to 20 people, you know, who, who make the con happen. And, um, you know, just kudos to them. It was just right. such a good time. They're, they're completely totally. volunteers. Yeah, every one of them. Yep. And uh, mega kudos to everyone who, uh, who, had, uh, who had donated to the charity auction, including you, Shannon. You had a couple of your, uh, of your uh, literary publications, right? That is, that is correct. I think one of the most interesting ones that they had this year was the uh, guitar from the shakeups. Oh, yeah, that I, was quite something. I was like, wow, it's, it was a it was a black it was a black Fender, I know, because uh, Leo Fender and it started out in Fullerton where my husband is from. So I know I know about Fenders. I believe it was a Stratocaster, but don't quote me on that part. Wow. But it was black and it had and it had a black lion logo on it and everything. And I'm like, they are auctioning off a guitar here. Wow. Very cool. That was so impressive. I, I, that that went to the owner of Comet Carnival, I believe. Wow. I think you were right. But but there but there's a, a wide variety of of different things like in in my case i came home with they did you know like through walmart where you can do photos and that kind of thing mm-hmm. they did a jigsaw puzzle of the logo like that pete and i have on our t-shirts I yeah got that. yeah yeah nice the... oh you do have a picture of it yeah. cool that's the guitar cool very nice i know diddly i know diddly about guitars but it was impressive to see that was a bo diddly joke that was just diddly. <laughs> I'm not that clever at this hour. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So the auction items, uh, the charities, um, anything else happened in that closing ceremonies? It's always an emotional moment. I mean, I, I know that uh, yeah. the, the people who run the con, uh, that there are a, a whole lot of blood, sweat, and tears into it. So uh, by the time it comes to a close, uh, you know, it, it's, it can be pretty emotional for some folks and, and, um, especially when they're, uh, getting a lot of applause from very appreciative, uh, attendees. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's such a fun time. I think the, the, uh, the emotion of it being all over after so many weeks and months of, of preparation, uh, it, it's a pretty big deal and, and everyone looks forward to it every year and, and it's it's emotional for everybody else too so yeah well I, I just want to say a big thank you to Kevin and Patrick and Savannah and Ryan and all the rest of the 
the the volunteers uh especially ricky on the on the av stuff um you know the the shakeups and everybody who's involved in in planning for this and and getting us ready for uh, a really good weekend in october and i really appreciated them you know accommodating the whole remote thing with with me and and you guys so um i i think they did a great job yeah absolutely agree yeah and uh one of the things that i wanted to mention also was uh, uh elizabeth had had sent me uh ribbons do you have yeah. those shannon that you can show i will take a shot at doing this yeah but yeah you got it now cool okay. all right so yeah so elizabeth had made those and, and she was giving them out everywhere right i she did give them out to people who asked they did come automatically in the vip bags yeah so they were they were accessible to to everybody but they were automatic like that's where mine were they were already in my bag so and that's that's a lot of trouble to to go to and this is this is an art unto itself so definitely yeah so so these are things that you could add to the bottom of your badge if you wanted to right because it has a sticky side to it yep that's what they're designed they're designed to do and you just right what i was holding there is the badges there and then there's string one to the next to the next and usually mm -hmm. i've seen models of these uh the only Thanks, other time I I've seen them is like LostCon, and I believe the one time I went to Worldcon, and it would be like if you went to different events or different rooms or different parties, that was part of your encouragement to go socialize. Was that how many of these? It becomes a contest. How many of them can you pick up for where you've been? Right. Okay. I this was all new to me. I'd never heard of the, the whole ribbon thing before, so well, that's interesting. I, I can tell you for uh, other cons that I've been to, uh, like New York Comic Con, San Diego Comic Con, um, they uh, used to to do it where they would include the ribbon in your badge, you know, package, whatever you want to call it, um, mm -hmm. in in they like in in the lanyard. And then you could pull it out and you could put the, the ribbon at the bottom. And if you were a, a, a speaker, you, you could have the speaker ribbon at the bottom. If you were press, you could have the press ribbon at the bottom. You know, if you were a, a vendor, you could have the vendor ribbon at the bottom, that kind of stuff. You know, so I I always had the press one, obviously, but uh, it was it was something that uh, you could put on the bottom. But it didn't mean that that was your only identification of of you being that type of a, an attendee, you know. You, the the badge itself showed what you were too. Yeah, that's that's fascinating, and and uh, mega thumbs up to Liz for uh, for yeah. creating those and sharing them with so many people. Yeah, thank you, Liz. Came out really well. I go to uh, city council ones, and uh, you know we get like um, councilor association ones. So I'm much happier having a, a drool empire. Voltcon 2020. Yeah. And and there's probably people in other places around the country who wouldn't even know what that is. Exactly. <laughs> City All Council, right. what's that? Oh, oh, you meant the Drool Empire. Okay. Yes. yes, I meant the Drool Empire. All right. So uh any any final remarks on on Voltcon before we leave this this podcast? 
I think I would, I really do have one other thing that I want to add. Okay. Greg, I, I'm sorry that you weren't able to join a number of us that were still there for dinner on Sunday night. But I had one of the most moving experiences of my life Sunday night. And it was not something I would have expected to come out of VoltCon. Wow. Uh, Tara was there and Eric and, and his wife, Amy, and um, Mama Voltron was there. And I met some, other, some new folks that I hadn't met before. Cindy and, Cindy and Ruth. And yeah. I, I can't think of Cindy's husband's name. I'm so sorry. George, Thanks. But right up, there were two people across from me, one of which is Kennedy, who's come before in the King's Archon outfit. And Ruth had been asking about my background. And one of the things that came up was I mentioned having worked on Neopets a number of years ago. In fact, for anybody who wasn't Origins, that's what I was alluding to when I said I was working for Viacom at the time because Viacom owned Neopets when Voltron Force was running on Nicktoons. Mm -hmm. And as I'm talking about that, Kennedy mentioned I used to play Neo and then switch, you know, or sorry to say some different word and then switched to Neopets. And I looked and I said, Kennedy, were you about to say Pet Pet Park? Kennedy says, yes. And I said, I helped launch Pet Pet Park. I never talk about that because nobody knows what it is. <laughs> and I mean, I had, and I'm, Volcon is the last place that I thought that that would happen. And I'm like, mm. that, I mean, obviously I, I left, um, I should say I was laid off from Viacom just months after Voltron Force started. So that gives you a, a time frame. The entire Neopets is still around, but Pivot Park was shut down in 2014. And here I am in 2022 having dinner going, hey, mm. I liked that. And I'm like, thank mm. you. Thank you for telling me it was worth it. Mm -hmm. That's cool. So yeah, yeah. The Very look cool. on your face, yeah. The look on your face when uh, Kennedy said that was amazing. Because one of my highlights is uh, I got to know Shannon better this Volcon, and I got to hear the stories of what she had worked on prior with Extreme Ghostbusters and um, the Neopets and everything. So when I saw Kennedy say that, I looked at Shannon and just the look was priceless. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad for everybody that I've gotten to meet every year. And I, and I hope the next year comes together and I get to do it again. Yeah. We're looking forward to that because Kim and I will be back. <laughs> so we're looking forward to that. And that will be the, uh, what is it, the 25th anniversary of Voltron, the third dimension? And it'll be the fifth Voltcon, right? Yes. The, the, yeah. And which would make it the 40th anniversary of DOTU, because wasn't it 35th for the first one? Or am I not uh, counting right? Well, that was 2019. So the 40th would be in 2024. Okay. This is always, yep. that always trips me up in the math. Yeah. Okay, so the fifth Voltcon, 25 years of V3D. Yep. 
Very nice. Time flies. Well, we're definitely yep. looking forward to VoltCon 2023. There's all kinds of things to celebrate. And we may have some a little bit more information from Bob about the, 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 the progress on the movie. Yep. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Fingers <laughs> crossed. And I want to thank each and every one of you guys for joining me for this review of VoltCon 2022. Uh, there's a lot to cover, and I hope we covered it uh, thoroughly. Janet, thanks as always. Pete, thank you so much. Yeah. And thank you for capturing the videos that uh, that yeah. you're sharing on your uh, YouTube uh, channel. We will definitely provide links in the yes. podcast description. Can you can you tell us just verbally uh, where people can go on YouTube to, to look at your videos from Volcon 2022? Yeah, it's youtube.com backslash at Pete White 78 TV. At Pete White 78 TV. Yep, and uh, I've got a, a Voltcon um, playlist where the videos are all there with uh, the interviews, the panels, and uh, the shakeup concert. Cool. Awesome. Thanks all again right. for that. Yes, thank yes. you very much. Very so welcome. We'll be sharing that through the website and through, uh, through this video. Okay? Yeah. So everybody can go take a look at all those panels and uh, the introduction by Steve and the shakeups. So that, that was really cool. Thank you very much. And we'll see you all next time on Let's, Let's Voltron. Voltron.